0: and uh, announcement next sunday morning uh the kids will need to stay after worship service sunday morning and they're going to practice on the stage if that'd be all right i don't know how long emily will need them maybe 30 30 45 minutes um, but just plan on that next sunday morning uh, we're going to stay late here on the stage and then the wednesday after next sunday is the christmas program that's that fast so december 18th i believe is the date wednesday evening is the kids christmas program uh here at, here at church uh, looking so much forward to that it's always a great time we have refreshments afterwards just a great great time to celebrate what the kids have done they're putting lots of work in this year uh i know my daughter Rosalind. she's excited about it and uh, excited to be a part of it and i know many others are too um so where we want to go this morning is turn off my notifications here so i stop getting dings um As we're continuing this sermon series around Advent, and I hope many of you, I think everybody got a book last week because we gave them all away. We had 120, Um, so some of you gave some as gifts. I think we've ordered some more. They won't be in until this coming week if you want to give more away, but who's enjoying uh, the devotional out of this book? Lots of people, lots of hands going up, Um, and so we're following along this book around Advent and the gifts of Christmas and taking the four Sundays prior to Christmas and just anticipating Uh, anticipating that Christmas morning so I get to open another gift this morning oh my gosh you just spoiled it (laughs) see what's in it this morning we are unwrapping and going to talk about the gift of make sure I unwrap the right one yeah love okay so that was no surprise to anyone how do we do this I think I'll Go all the way to the other side, and so uh, so this is part of the the tradition. Is uh, each week you light an additional candle, um, which is representative in and of itself of light coming into a dark world, right? That one candle, if we turned all these lights off, we'd probably still be able to see to get around from one little flicker uh, in pure darkness. And that is what Christ was in a dark world. And that's what he can be in your life and in our life. Um, so this morning, we are gonna look at love, real love. And um, I thought about putting in, you know, this Frozen movie has come out, and uh, if I was making a reference to, to Frozen, what would they say love is? an open door somebody has kids or somebody's seen the movie love is an open door that's the big song right anybody heard that song yes how i've heard it way too many times love is an open door what we're going to try to do this morning is impossible and this is the hardest kind of sermon i've ever tried to approach and um if you've not if you've just started coming during the christmas season it's your first time here Uh, I'm not typically a topical preacher, so I don't typically take a topic one day and preach about it. We typically preach through a book of the Bible, and we'll get back to that after the first of the year. Um, But this topical preaching to say, all right, today we're going to talk about love, uh, is actually a very difficult uh, and, uh, according to the Bible, an impossible thing to do to get you to understand it when you leave. Because it says, the knowledge of the love of God surpasses, The truth about the love of God surpasses all understanding. So that means at the end of today, we're still going to be confused. I like that kind of objective, setting the bar real high there for myself. Um, We should have a better understanding, though. The thing is, it's so wide and it's so deep and it's so so big, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, that we just can't, with our earthly minds, wrap our minds around how much God loves us. And I think that's what Paul uh, was saying. And uh, so this morning I was thinking, uh, or this week as I was preparing, and um, I was I was driving somewhere, and I, this 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 thought came to my mind, and it's not the first not the first person to ever have the thought, but when when is enough enough? And I was thinking, uh thinking about that in relation to work, and maybe. I'm Speaking to your situation, maybe I am, I'm just gonna speak for mine. For mine, is sometimes we get so caught up in work, and I just really started to ask myself, like, when is enough enough? Some of you have jobs that you go and you do, and then you come home, and then you wait till you go back the next day. Uh, I have a job, and many of us do, that is just all consuming. Like, there is, there's, if you worked 24 hours a day, you couldn't get everything done that you need. get done so i started to ask myself when is enough enough because i put a lot of pressure on myself i put set high expectations to get this much done and this much and it just always feels like there's room for a little bit more and that's just kind of been my mindset for some time i can do one more thing i could get one more email in i could get one more uh you know plan one more event we could take on one more project and i realized that lifestyle never ends you're pushing to be enough and you never get there and you're i don't know why i do it uh you know part of it is we are wired to work we talked about that several months ago that god called us to work each and every one of us Um, if you remember that point from that lesson he's, he's called us to do something and the doing is more important than the something. You remember that? That just we are wired innately to get up and just get something done today. It doesn't mean you go and get paid. It could be a stay-at-home mom. It could be a lot of different things. Um, part of us, were wired that way. Uh, but I realize you're trying to earn maybe uh, 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 approval, or you're trying to make your boss happy, or you're trying, you're, you're trying to do something that you just can't ever seem to get to. And I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, we do that with God we ask ourselves does he love us and then we begin to try to do enough to make him love us to earn it we try to do the right things we 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 try to help somebody we we try to go to church faithfully we try to give We, we try to live holy lives we try to not to, to sin as little as we try to sin as little as we can, and, and, and we try to, to put on a face and an outward appearance of that we're all good. And we're doing all this sometimes to 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 please God, to make him happy, to earn his love. And this just this the same is true here. It will never be enough. It will never be enough. As hard as you can try, as much as you can give, you can't earn his love. We're going to find out why today we're going to look at God's love. How big is it? What did Paul say? In Ephesians, he was right at that church. and He said, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses knowledge. That means, uh, that, that means what I said earlier. Uh, I, when I shared this the sermon last night to the church Facebook group. By the way, if you got Facebook, like our church on Facebook. Leave us a review if you think we're great. They don't have reviews if you don't think we're great um but but also uh join our we've got a group we've got a new Beginnings fellowship church group where we get into more kind of details of things that are coming up and share prayer requests with one another it's a real community so do both but when i shared it to the group last night i just wrote christ's love equals the mind blown emoji y'all know that emoji because you can't fathom it you can't get it and the more i've, I've studied this this week i I just I can't get it I can't fathom it literally I am the mind-blown emoji I can't understand how much he loves us what he said here Paul writing this and uh and if you read the devotional they kind of they said what if maybe Paul was thinking about a body of water and I think that's a good illustration if many of you have been to the ocean and sometimes I will stand and I'll look at the ocean from there and I think about God and how great he is. And, and I try to imagine, you know, in times past before uh, all this current technology and, and we've explored most of the world. But when you, would, when you would walk to that water and like Paul would and not know at times, is there something on the other side? What is on the other side? What does this look like? And I think maybe that's probably a good reference. If you were imagining standing there, looking out on that water, and Paul is trying, he's being poetic here. He's saying, I'm hoping that when Christ gets inside of you and you're plugged into the Holy Spirit and you have his power, I hope you can grasp how much God loves you, how wide, how deep. I mean, that's uh, all-encompassing. god's love is for us how deep is the love of christ so god is love we know that we're gonna look at two things this morning real love uh, shows itself in two ways um i left open door off sorry i did that on purpose love is not an open door uh Real love is in the heart, right here, but it's also in the hands. And I think I had a pretty good, a firm grip. If somebody would have asked me a week ago what is love, I would have said love always demonstrates itself. Love always shows itself. Love is a verb. Love is lived out. It it doesn't exist in some theory in the mind or the heart that you just it's not just a feeling. Real love is lived out, it is acted upon, you can see it, you can feel it, you can experience uh, real love. Uh, so it's active, it's a verb, it's hands-on. And I knew that came from a heart, And then, uh, but I, I, didn't, I hadn't really thought about this fact that you could be doing all those hands-on things and not have it in your heart. You could be doing all those things but with the wrong motive and so that's what i want to talk about this morning really two things that i want to look at uh, about real love one is it's in the heart and we're going to talk about that first Uh, that means it comes with sincere motives sincere motives so let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, one through three. This is the love chapter of the Bible. We will spend a little bit of time here this morning, uh, but not a lot. But this is what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. I see some fans going. Could we get a little AC maybe, Rodney? That help anybody? All right, sounds good, me too. I'm with you. Uh, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, that means if I become a martyr for Christ but I'm doing it so I can be a martyr for Christ and everybody knows about it and do not have love, Paul says, I gain nothing. Here we find that uh, it is incredibly important uh, that our actions stem from sincere motives. We find in Ephesians, what we just read, that that power, this all-encompassing love comes from the Holy Spirit, not from anywhere else. It comes because we are plugged into Christ. We have accepted him into our life, and we've brought him into our heart, and he changes it. He makes the old heart, uh, this rocky, stony heart, fertile ground, and we become new creatures in Christ, and we can love. But we find that our motives uh, are important when it comes to how we love, this can happen in, in so many different ways. Uh, we're really looking at God's love because that is real love this morning. But it plays out in our in our own lives. Uh, but God's love does so many things. I want to say, uh, I want to say, let's look at this list real quick, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here because you can go read the list. These are the characteristics. These are the motives. These are this is what love does in a life. Real love. It says it's patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, love always perseveres, love never fails. I mean, what more beautiful words have been written? about love and if God is love you can apply that these to him, God is patient, God is kind, he does not envy he doesn't boast, he's not proud, God is love and it motivates us to help others, it should motivate us, this love that pours into us should overflow out of us um, uh, to others, we find that his love is a uh, refining love um, let's see where I've got this. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we find his love is a refining love. When God calls us, uh, when, 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 when he shows his love to us, he loves us in order uh, to, to grow us. You say, well, why do we face trials and tribulations in life? If you, if you go to James or other parts of the Bible, it says count it all joy when you face diverse trials and tribulations because these things grow your faith. And faith grows perseverance and perseverance, hope, and all and and God uses those things in our life. And and within his love, he disciplines us and he moves us forward and draws us closer to him. So we know how important the heart is and where we want to move next is the hands. What are what are God's hands? We know how much he loved us, how much he cares for us and what those characteristics look like. We know that if we have love and we do all these activities but don't have love, we gain nothing and we are nothing. Here in 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 through 11, it says this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God loved us, we ought to love one another. Um, So we find here the hands of God. Problem is in our life we can we can start acting good for all kinds of different motives, okay. You could be doing good and being good and being all churchy, and this is uh, this is what. Uh, and I grew up in somewhat of a, a legalistic, uh, you know, a Christian environment where I was I was forced to go to church because that made me good. I was forced uh, to do the right. I remember I played in a band. Uh, in in high school, and I can remember m- m- my dad it was the high rollers it's the best band in McGoffin county ever uh we played family reunions, we played a little bit of everything we played uh old classic we played classical uh not classical classic rock <laughs> that's a big difference uh we played scanner we played all that kind of stuff and um I can remember my dad just saying just play, you know, in one set, play Amazing Grace. Play one Christian song, one gospel song. And, and I was going to church, and I got saved when I was young. Um, uh, but I, I don't think God got a hold of my heart until later. And uh, there's a difference there. But I can remember just this kind of pressure to be and act and fit in and be like the rest. And, and if I just would arrange my life like the rest, then, then everything would be okay. Then I, it would look like I was good, and that's what really mattered. Does, does that sound right? So sometimes you can do all those things just to get somebody off your back. Does that make sense? You can do all those things for a spouse who's saying, I wish you'd go to church, I wish you'd do this, I wish you'd do that, I wish you'd do this. You can do all these things for a parent who says, you've gotta be a good kid and we gotta look like a respectable family, you gotta do this, this, and this, and you can do it to get your parent off your back. And what Paul wrote here, what he's saying here in the first part of 1 Corinthians, he says you can do all that and gain absolutely nothing. You can try to follow all the rules and lost, But still in your heart, you're going to mess up. You are not going to be perfect. And if you are by just trying to appease somebody, trying to get your life right, you will gain nothing. We can do things uh, to help people just to move ourselves forward, just to move ourselves ahead. And maybe that's what I do at work. I don't know. I hope not. I really do care about the work that I do and I'm not trying to get ahead. I want the other people. I want all the people we're working with to get ahead. I, to, I mean, you heard Adam's stories here this morning. People are hurting in difficult spaces and we want to help solve that and create opportunities. Um, and, but you have to ask yourself, when is enough? Enough. But you can do all these things. You can start living out this life of good things, of demonstrating love uh, for your own benefit. I don't think the group that went yesterday—they didn't go to show this love for their own benefit. They went for the benefit of the other. You see in the list that love is uh, love is not is selfless. If you look at the the message translation of the this chapter in one Corinthians chapter thirteen, it says love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want it uh, what it doesn't have. Love love doesn't strut. Adam said, we didn't take any pictures. We weren't posting on Facebook when we got to Makar. We were going to love and care uh, for these people. Uh, Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It's not judgmental. Uh, But we can sometimes be doing good things for the wrong reasons. And that's where I want to look at your life this morning. I want you to just look and say, am I sometimes doing good things, right things, but for self-righteous or selfish reasons? Let's get into the hands. What did, what did God do? What did Christ do? We're here this morning. We're celebrating love. We're, we're unwrapping the gifts of Christmas. Uh, he put hands and feet uh, to his love. There's something here that I want you to, to get that go together, and that is love and grace. And I found this paragraph uh, that, that wrote this out uh, and described it, and I want to read that to you. It says, His grace, on the other hand, is His undeserved, unearned, unmerited, I don't deserve it. undeserved unearned unmerited favor therefore the relationship between God's love and God's grace is this his grace is an expression of his love his grace is an expression of his love love is in his heart he cares about it. for God so loved the world Says he did it in his heart. He wants the best for us. He is for us, not against us. And because of that, he gave his only begotten Son. Because of that, he came and he lived as a human, as Jesus in the flesh. Grace is an expression of his love. He lavishes us with his grace because he boundlessly loves us his unmerited favor is a demonstration of his unconditional love if you're trying to figure out uh how do you love uh how do you love somebody in your family how do you how do you show love this there is no greater demonstration of love to your spouse or family member or friend above grace above when they are sincerely uh repentant and sorry with you just saying, okay, I forgive you. Let's move on. I'm not keeping that record of wrong. There's nothing you can do more for someone than to show uh, them grace. It says here, he His one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That is God putting his love to work. I want to move to this thought as we get ready to close here in just a moment. Um, the story of Paul as uh, as he was struggling with some trial in his life. Um, right before this passage of Scripture, he's talking to the uh, the church of Corinthians. He's saying, hey, listen. I'm I'm not going to get up here and talk all about myself. I'm not going to brag about myself. And then he kind of does a little bit. He says, although if I did, it'd probably be true. <laughs> Basically what he says. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to brag because it's not about me. Uh, God has blessed me. I've been able to do some good things. And God has used me in mighty ways. But I don't want to talk about me. Uh, and, and he said this was a revelation to him because he had had this trial in his life And some of you here this morning right now you've had this trial in your life This test, this, this difficult thing um, And, and this, is a, this is a paraphrase of that, that those verses And I put the verses down there if you want to go read them from the NIV or King James or New King James um, But this, I want you to, to hear this Because I started out this morning uh, by saying it, you never, it's never enough The amount of good in your life will never outweigh the amount of sin in your life. If you're trying to get to heaven by this balancing scale of I've been better than I've been bad, then you'll never get there. And, and, and we talked uh, uh, several weeks ago in the, the parable, uh, about G- uh, Jesus' parable, uh, about the story uh, of, of the different people who owed different amounts of money, remember? And, and the truth was they were both in debt, and they were both, uh, could not pay their debt. And that was their reality. And the same is true for you and me. We're going to come at different levels. We're going to have different balancing scales. But at the end of the day, it's never Enough because God only accepts perfection. And perfection has only been in this world one time. And it came as a baby, it was born into a cradle and humble beginnings, a carpenter's family, uh, no room for the baby in the end. It, it, it came in humility, God came in humility. And so we're trying to get this balancing scale. And Paul was doing the same thing. He's like, I got this trial, I got this test. And he doesn't go in to say what it is. I mean, you can go read all the, the, the Bible, biblical scholars about it. None of them agree uh, about what it was because we don't know. Some say maybe he had an, an eye injury, a physical injury. Maybe it was some temptation, some sin that he was struggling and dealing with. Um, and, and, but they all agree about this, and I agree with this. It doesn't matter what it was what god is teaching us is that there will always be an it there will always be a thing you can plug whatever it is in your life depression anxiety fear of failure broken relationships financial health you can plug it in plug that in right now think about that thing that trouble that trial i want you to think about it honestly with me right now the thing that is just haunting you And he said, because of this extravagance of those revelations that I realized that it isn't about me, that I'm not going to brag about myself, and so I wouldn't get a big head, so I wouldn't get proud of all that God has accomplished through me. I was given the gift. Well, it's hard to think about it that way, isn't it? The thing that I just said, think about the thing that's tormenting you. And he said, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down and what he in fact did was drive me to my knees. This is how God uses it. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. And we'll get to verse 9. It says, And at first I didn't think of it as a gift and I begged God to remove it. Three times I prayed is what Paul said. And then he told me, and this is what I want to tell you this morning. God's grace is enough. You will never be enough. My good will never outweigh my bad enough. The guilt, all the things that you feel like you've tried and you wonder, if could God still love me? Does he still love me? I, don't, I didn't even care about him yesterday. Didn't even think about him this week. Does he still love me? His love is so deep and tall and why? You can't even fathom that you cannot separate yourself from it. Paul said, I heard God speak this to me. My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. You're trying to get all this thing and you want life to be perfect and it will never be on this side. But in whatever trial, whatever place you're in, my grace is enough. It fills the void and it's all you need. Let me close with this. and We're going to sing together. Um, In a minute, a song we sang earlier, Nobody Loves Me Like You. You notice there were two songs about love this morning, one about Christmas, which is about love. This is what Paul told the Romans, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing could separate you. Guess what? The way you messed up this week doesn't change the opportunity you have right now. The fact that you've refused to accept Christ your whole life and you've been just trying to appease people by doing enough good to make it look like you're okay. None of that matters. He loves you. So deep, so wide, he can't separate. Not, death, not even death, not even die. Once you are his child, death cannot separate you from his love. It brings you into his love more than we can ever imagine uh, here. So I'm going to ask you this morning as we stand and we just reflect and we just think. of how grace has been shown in your life we thank you this morning we thank you for your love we thank you for what Christmas means we thank you for what Christ